Good morning, everybody. This is Tom Moran from Tom's Big Spiders on a special Tuesday edition, basically because I went ahead and recorded my last podcast on Thursday of last week. And then when I went to do the replay and, and edit it up and add the, you know, the music and all that stuff and get it up, there was some weird noise in the background. My voice wasn't sounding right. I'm not sure what the heck I did, but I've tested this out a couple times now. It sounds fine. I'm wondering if maybe my computer was rumbling or something of that nature, but I, I almost put it up because I really had a good streak going with hitting that Sunday deadline for every single one of these, and I didn't want to miss it, but I also didn't want to put something out that sounded like garbage, so I decided to hold it back. Um, unfortunately, it means me recording what ended up being a 50-minute podcast or re-recording a 50-minute podcast, and I'm not really relishing doing that because listening to this, I kind of hit some points well the first time, and I'm going to have to you know, wait a little bit, put some distance between it so that I can have the same type of energy the next time. So that topic will be put aside for the time being. However, while sitting there trying to decide what to do instead of it because I literally I had a game plan and now I can't follow it, I came up with an article that I'm going to go through because I just think it kind of epitomizes how bad misinformation about tarantula is spread and how easy it is to find bad information about tarantulas from people that seemingly know what they're talking about. And um, I've mentioned before that my phone, I have Google, I get my news on Google because it tends to just latch on to the types of things that I enjoy looking at. And I don't usually like the doom and gloom news first thing in the morning. And the Google thing, my Google newsfeed is just all the fun things that I enjoy reading about, some movies and music and things of that nature. And now I've got it so it's pulling up uh, spiders, which is fantastic, and tarantulas. So I get spider articles, tarantula articles, YouTube videos, Exotic Slayer video came up the other day, which I thought was really cool. And then I've got this article that is about Paco, a red knee tarantula, native to Mexico, in case you didn't know. It was in the California. Now, unfortunately, this one was published June 10, 2016. So apparently the Google news feed is not the most current news feed. I was like all up in arms. I'm going to email this guy immediately after reading this article. And then I saw the date and I was like, all right, he probably forgot he even wrote it. But it goes a little something like this. Paco, a red knee tarantula, is native to southwestern Mexico and is among the largest varieties of this beneficial spider. Beneficial. Perfect. Right off the bat, I'm like, you've got my attention. You may not be using scientific names, but this is kind of an article out to the general public who doesn't understand scientific names, so this is perfect. The native habitat is arid scrubland where they usually build their tunnels near some cacti or vegetation. Again, great. And then there's a picture of somebody holding a Brachypelma hammeri or smithy, depends on which one this is. Uh, of all the tarantulas, the Mexican red knee is the friendliest one I've ever dealt with, Samet said, but they don't like to be handled. Now, I guess Charlie Samet, if you look at this uh, caption underneath the photo, is works at a zoo, the Monterey Zoo. So immediately people are going to read this and go, well, Mr. Samet works at a zoo. Obviously, he knows what he's talking about. Obviously, this is going to be good information, and this is when I start to get a little upset because things take a downhill turn pretty soon. So we have the friendly tarantulas, the friendliest one he's ever met. Glad he's probably only met New World species. Um, but then he says, but they don't like to be handled. So, okay, we got some good information. He's not immediately encouraging handling. And again, I don't wade into the handling debate. I see both sides of it. But I do not, uh, personally, I don't think we should tell people they have to be handled. And a lot of people will tell you, oh, yeah, you got to handle your tarantulas, pick them up. And there's that guy, Jungle Jack, or whatever the heck his name is on um, YouTube. He has a YouTube channel. He flips them around and diddles them and all kinds of stuff. It's just absurd. But uh, so, so far, I'm reading this article, and I'm like, hey, this isn't bad. This is This is really good. Tarantulas have an exoskeleton. Sweet, they do. Charlie Samet, director of Monterey Zoo, said, oh, there he is. I jumped the gun. 
That means there's no cushion on their outside. If they get dropped, it breaks and they die. Okay, well, yeah, if you drop, the abdomen breaks. So, again, good stuff. Tarantulas are fine as pets for skilled hobbyists, but not for the general public. I got to stop you there, buddy. Um, I think we just went into how easy this hobby can be and why I think these guys make great pets, and I don't particularly agree with this statement at all. I think this is somebody that's trying to make it look like they're this you know, incredible exotics handler, wild animal handler, and th- that these things, you know, not for the general public. I disagree. If you get the right type of spider, they're good for anybody. They're just about as dangerous as a, say, a gerbil. My, my brother had gerbils. Those things would bite all the time when you try to hold them. And tarantula could do the same thing. Right? They have venom, but if you're doing an old world species, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Female tarantulas can live 30 years, but the males only survive for about five. And... They live a long time. Yeah, I, again, it's not. This is a layman's article, so we'll go with it. Um, I have my female G. Porteri that we'll be getting to in a moment, who I'm guessing is probably well over 30 years, but we'll get into that. Um, males, depending on the species, can go more than five years. But I mean, this is good information. I think somebody that, for the most part, that doesn't know much about tarantulas would be interested. As Paco is going on six years, he's probably a female. Wah, wah, wah. There we go. No, there's that's no way to tell what his sex is. You can have these are very slow growing species. Um, I, I talked to somebody who had a male G. Porteri that was going on twelve. That's not how you sex them. So again, a little misinformation right there. When you order a tarantula from a breeder, they are all shipped in a pill bottle. They are so small they are called spiderlings. He said, "Good. You have to search for them inside the container." Uh, no, if they're wrapped appropriately, they should be fairly easy to find. They don't just stick them in a bottle and have them waiting around. They, they pack them with toilet tissue or paper towel and usually pull them out. Anybody that's watched my rehousing videos or order a sling before, I know this isn't true. But uh, this is, again, I would even say this, although not quite accurate, is pretty good information for somebody that hasn't kept one of these before. Then go to a pet store and buy tiny baby crickets called pinheads. You drop a couple pinheads and some water in the pill bottle twice a week, and eventually this tarantula gets larger and larger. Uh, okay, let me go back and reread this here. When you order a tarantula from a breeder, they are shipped. Okay, well, usually they are shipped in the pill bottles, but if you're going to keep them in the pill bottles as their forever home, or at least until they outgrow it, then you need to pull out the stuffing and then put the substrate in. But, yep, okay, good stuff, good stuff. And I like the fact that he alludes to them being so small that they would be housed in vials or dram bottles. That's great because that's something that a lot of people don't understand at first. And I know a lot of people that get slings are like, oh my gosh, what am I going to keep it in? That's a perfect enclosure for small slings. So again, when getting one of these articles, and this is kind of fun for me, I like going through and figuring out you know, how, how good is this article as far as information? Is there, is there anything that's damaging? And so far, no, the little... Some of the things could have just been lost in translation when the guy was getting interviewed. We don't know that it was this Samet guy that, uh, you know, he could know his stuff. Who knows? But uh, overall, there's some good information. This is something that might intrigue somebody that was interested in tarantulas to go, oh, maybe I'll look up more of these. So let's continue to see how it goes here. So when he mentions the exoskeletons and the exoskeletons breaking, I'm assuming he's referring to the abdomen, which can rupture if they fall. So that's great information right there. So let's read a little further. In Mexico, the red knee is now endangered in the wild. Many of the native population were captured and sent to China for their gourmet food market. Now, I have to admit, this could be true. I haven't heard of this before. Uh, from what I had gathered, a lot of them was uh, were gathered up for the pet trade when they realized they could make money from it. And a lot of them were terrified of tarantulas. 
back in the day, and they would kill them on sight because they thought they were harmful to the people. So I, I had not heard them being sent to China for gourmet food, the gourmet food market. I'm actually going to Google this in a minute because I'm kind of intrigued. Um, I know China does get sent a lot of weird things that they find have you know medicinal or magical properties to it. I did not hear about the tarantula one, but I'm going to look that one up. Others are believed to have succumbed to pesticides through a systematic killing by locals in the mistaken belief that spiders pose a threat to humans. We read a big article years ago about how in Mexico there was this um, one village in particular was talking about that they were terrified of tarantulas. So they would go out and hunt them down and kill them. And then they found out that there was a trade for them, that the U.S., these crazy people in the U.S. will actually buy them as pets. So then that changed and they became a commodity. But that they did used to kill them all before. So that sounds fairly accurate. The Mexican red knee tarantula is easy to breed and is not in danger of complete extinction. Um, I have not tried to breed them yet myself. Somebody else can chime in on this, but I do believe that we get slings quite a bit, so they seem to breed well and easily. The female spins silk around fertilized eggs and carries them in her fangs until they hatch. She guards them for another two weeks or so until they're ready to leave the tunnel. Again, not bad at all. Like all arthropods, tarantulas have to shed their exoskeleton. They turn over on their backs and pull themselves out of their older, smaller skins and leave it behind. Should they have lost a leg, it will regrow and be available during their molt. It's also a way to shed parasites and fungus and to rejuvenate sensitive hairs. So again, more good information. This is shaping up to be a fairly decent article. There's nothing in it so far that is really causing me to cringe or go, oh my gosh, it's terrible information. Um, they do not eat immediately after molting and may not begin to consume anything for weeks. As their fangs are part of their exoskeleton, they must wait for them to harden sufficiently for them to hunt. Beautiful. So we've gone from like kind of a bubblegummy type article that's given some basic information. This, they're given some good stuff here. Like this is stuff that people just getting into the hobby would need to know. Samet saves the skins for demonstrations in the zoo's education programs, and as they so closely resemble a living tarantula, he sends them to Hollywood should a script call for squashing a tarantula. Wow, this guy's apparently got some connections. That's actually pretty cool. Wouldn't have thought of that. I don't know how many Hollywood movies out there are squishing tarantulas and how many of them are seeking this guy out, but that's actually fairly entertaining. In nature, tarantulas dig tunnels with single entrances and one or two larger chambers below. They will often wait inside the tunnel to attack passing prey. When it's time to molt or lay eggs, they will spin a web, mix it with dirt, and close off the entrance. Inside the chamber, they will molt their exoskeleton, which can take a week or so, and wait for their new one to harden. Again, excellent information. New World tarantulas have what are called urticating hairs on their abdomens, which they use as a defense mechanism if threatened. They can kick these hairs into the eyes and face of a would-be predator, causing significant pain. These hairs irritate the skin and are similar to stinging nettles in the plant world. So, again, I love it. I'm reading now Imagine. I'm sitting here. It's Monday morning. I'm drinking my coffee. I'm getting ready to ride off to school for the first day. Well, it hasn't started yet, but I have to go in once over the summer. And this article pops up. And as I read it, I'm honestly, if I'm being truthful, waiting for something to go wrong. It's just usually the stuff they, they come across, you know, the general media, that they're not particularly good. But I'm reading this going, all right, this is great. I'm going to shoot them a little email and thank them for their time and for, you know, shedding some light on these guys. This is fantastic. So, you know, let's continue. They have eight eyes located about their heads and can see in all directions, but they can't see very well. I'd put that part in there. Tarantulas, like all spiders, have poison venom but it's not of a potency to endanger humans. 
well, new worlds, not potency to endanger humans. Old worlds won't kill you, but for some of them, you'd want to die. Now, for this point, I am going, this is a great article. I'm going to share this on my Facebook page. Maybe, you know, shoot the guy who wrote the article a little email thanking him for it. Because you really don't see this many good mainstream tarantula articles where somebody obviously did their work and, and got some good information. And then we get to the end of the article. And this is where I was just like, what? If your tarantulas go off their food, Samet said, sometimes the only way to get them back eating is to feed them another tarantula. Yep, let that one rattle around a little bit. I'll, I'll read it again in case anybody missed it. If your tarantulas goes, if your tarantulas goes, no one was having a hard time feeding this, grammar suffered a little bit here, goes off their food, Samet said, sometimes the only way to get them back eating is to feed them another tarantula. It stimulates the whole process of eating again. They are carnivores, and they like to eat insects, crickets, frogs, and mice. And that is the end of our article. So we really saved the best part for last. I had my mind blown. I've been in the hobby for quite a while. Um, I got my first tarantula in the 90s. And again, I wasn't in, huge into the hobby until later on. But I'd done a lot of research on them in the 90s. I'd picked up any tarantula books I could find, articles in reptiles, magazines, things of that nature. I have never heard of somebody, and, and please, maybe hobbyists that have been in this longer, maybe this is an old trick, Offering a tarantula to another tarantula to stimulate eating. That is one of the most absurd things I have ever read that completely undid and negated any good information in the rest of this article as far as I'm concerned because some poor son of a gun is going to get one of these species that naturally fast. They're going to go, well, it's not eating. Guess I got to go get another tarantula and feed it. Like, what do you do? What spe- I don't even understand where, like, how do you even do that? Do you go out and shop for like, well, I want a juvenile because I don't want it to be, you know, killed by it, but, and I want a cheap species, so I'm guessing things like albopelosums and LPs would be the type of things you'd feed to your tarantula to get it eating again. I don't think, I, what I'm thinking in this case is that this ding-dong had a tarantula that wasn't eaten, so dropped another one in, which would obviously, they're not going to share the same quarters. They're going to fight, which is going to cause them to fight, naturally defend their territory. One of them will eat the other one in that case. I guess that's what he's thinking. This is one of the most absurd things I have ever read in an article, and it's a shame because up until this point, it was actually quite good. So I, I, this is, in a nutshell why there is so much misinformation in the hobby and why people that come into the hobby seem to come into it with such skewed views of these animals and how they should be cared for. Now, imagine uh, that whole article, the majority of it was actually quite good. Even the things that weren't spot on, like about the exoskeleton breaking or whatever, you knew what the guy was talking about. Those of us who have kept them went, yeah, it's, it's great. Talking about the molting and the fact they may not eat for a while because their fangs have to harden up. This sounds like a guy up to this point. Now, if you're reading this, you've never read anything about this before, and you're reading this article, you're going to think the guy works in a zoo. Check. He obviously knows what he's talking about. A lot of us know that's not true. Zoos have some of the most horrendous conditions for tarantulas you'd ever want to see. Somebody sent me a picture not that long ago of the tarantula display at a zoo, and they had a hammerai in a cage. It was about three feet tall with some wood chips on the bottom and an overturned log for a height. It was, it was horrifying. So, no, not just because they're in 
a zoo does not mean they know the proper care for them. But somebody, most laymen are going to go out there and go, well, it's a zookeeper. It's his job to know what these animals need. He obviously knows what he's talking about. Then they're going to read a lot of really accurate information. So it's going to reinforce it. Wow, I didn't know that slings could be kept in a vial. That's that's interesting. And wow, I didn't know that when they molt, they can take them a few days, even a couple months to start eating. That's awesome. And then to end it on, if your tarantula isn't eating, feed it another tarantula. Like, at what point do you pull the trigger on that? That's just, that's one of those things, that's what you leave your reader with. That's the last thing they read. So you're going to get some poor fool out there that's going to buy a G. Porteri and go, well, it hasn't eaten in a couple days. I should probably get it a tarantula and feed it so it will eat again. And that's, you know, you can laugh at it, but that's literally what people are going to think because I've had people email me when their tarantulas haven't eaten like twice and they don't realize that that's not that big of a deal usually. So... Again, I spend a lot of time trying to educate people about tarantulas. That's the whole point of everything I do is to try to get good information out there. And I'm always on the lookout for a good article because it makes me feel better that somebody's actually covering these guys correctly and that there's good information getting out there. God only knows. I don't know if that's a big paper. I don't know how many people Google showing that one to, but anybody that read that walked away with a horrible idea for getting a tarantula to eat. I can't even fathom that. I mean, just uh, Billy and I were talking about like, what would you do? Would you hop online and pick up a couple Bialbos? Would you, would you try a, an old world species? Like, you know, try to spice up. Would it be like getting Chinese food or something like, oh, we're going to feed you like a Thai, you know, spider or something like that. I, I just don't understand that and how a person who obviously does have some good information about tarantula keeping could have put that forth as a solution for fasting. It just blows my mind. But it's out there. It's public. Again, it was written in June of 2016, so over two years ago. So unfortunately, I don't think there's really much to do about it now, although I will throw it up for people who want to read it. I'll I'll have a link in this podcast. I do think it's entertaining. But I would be curious, and I would love to continue doing this because I think it's neat to break things down. If anybody finds an article or something that is particularly ridiculous, please feel free to send it my way. I would love to do more of these. It's kind of a lot of fun. Heck, if you find a really good one, send it my way because I'd love to make it public, get those people some notice, and maybe encourage more folks to write accurate articles about tarantulas because if this is what's going to hit mainstream news, we're in trouble. We're going to have people buying, you know, ordering tarantulas, ordering a big female and a bunch of juveniles so they can feed them to the female to make sure she keeps eating. So please feel free to send stuff my way. I love kind of going through these, and this one just happened to pop up, and I couldn't resist because I couldn't, you know, it was kind of laughing and crying at the same time. I couldn't figure out what I wanted to think about this article because, in a way, it's so bad it's funny, but in a way, it's terrifying because somebody's going to read this article and think that's how you get a tarantula to eat. So have you ever fed your tarantula another tarantula to get it out of a fast? Please let me know in the comment. No, I'm just kidding. Please don't. If you have, don't even say it. (laughs) I don't even want to hear about it. I'm guessing nobody has done this. But if anybody's ever heard of this method before or heard of the time when this apparently was popular, I don't know where the guy got this from. Again, I can only speculate that he realized if you put two tarantulas together, even if they're not hungry, they're going to fight and one's probably going to eat the other one. Maybe that's his line of thinking. But if anybody's heard of this before, I'd love to hear the origin of this wives' tale surrounding tarantulas. Now, moving on from feeding tarantulas tarantulas, I got an email the other day about my beginner species list, which kind of prompted me to do this. Now, I, this has been a topic I plan on covering for a while. I started doing one of my tarantula myths videos on this one, and I need to finish it up because I need to get my two cents into this debate. But it basically went like this. Hey, Tom, I was kind of surprised to see that you have the rosehair tarantula on your list of best beginners. It seems to me most people believe now that these guys are terrible beginners. Why did you include this one? 
this is one of the ones I had to take a deep breath on before answering. And I know the person didn't mean any disrespect or anything, but there's been a trend in the hobby where we've suddenly turned around and started bashing the G. Rosea Porterian. It sounds like they're just going to all be Rosea once they finish. There's people studying them now, the taxonomy, and I guess the, the consensus is now that they're the same species. There's red color form and then the regular one. But anyway, I'll, I'll keep them separate just for the sake of this. Porteria, we'll call them the rose hair. We'll even go common name on this one. There seems to be this, this huge movement, and it generally appears to come from new hobbyists, and I have a theory of why where they talk about how terrible a beginner uh, the G. Proteri or G. Rosea, the rose hair, is. And I've even, uh, there was uh, one YouTuber that I actually like a lot, but did a whole video on why they're bad beginners, and I disagreed with it completely. Uh, Here's the deal, and I think we can break it down rather simply. Are they the best beginner? Well, I think years of keeping them, years of... Uh, keepers having to deal with the fastings, the sometimes unpredictable temperaments, things of that nature, we have realized that they may not be the best beginner species. Are they the worst beginner species? Are they a terrible beginner species? Absolutely not, in my opinion. Again, I always got to put my opinion because this is just my opinion. And here's, here's why. And a little origin of these guys. A lot of people started with these guys, including myself, because they were so readily available to the hobby. They were importing them and exporting them out of Chile. Everybody had them. All the pet stores had them. They would get adults. They were big brown spiders, immediately something that's going to catch somebody's eye that's coming in. So a lot of them were sold in the 80s and 90s, probably even 70s for people who have been you know, in the hobby for that long. And they got a reputation for just being the best beginner species, and I think partially due to the fact that they were so readily available. There weren't as many species around at that time. You see what we have available now to us in the hobby compared to back in the 80s or 70s. It's astounding the number of species we have compared to back then. So there weren't as many, and this is one that is bulletproof. It is hardy. The care for it is so simple. I don't. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that started off with rose hairs, and joke about the fact that they can't believe the poor thing is still alive after the poor treatment it got. Not on purpose, but because information was so scarce and because people really didn't know how to take care of them back then. I've said before that when I first got my first tarantula, my rose hair, my G. Porteri, or rose or whatever it's going to be, in the hobby, there wasn't much out there. We didn't, the internet was still in its infancy. You couldn't just hop online and talk to a bunch of keepers. So it was basically books and articles and some of which weren't the best stuff in the world. Uh, Petco, I believe at that time, or some pet store handed me out a trifold pamphlet. They told me that I had to give it a sponge full of water, that I had to keep it on, I could keep it on aquarium gravel, and that I had to mist it down once a day so it could get a drink. Obviously, we know all that's caca now. We would never do that. But I think because of the how readily available it was and the fact that some of them are docile, I get, you know, the Psycho Rosie thing, I feel bad because I helped kind of spur this one along too because I've mentioned it in a couple articles. You're going to get any species of tarantula that you're going to have ones that are laid back and ones that are crazy. I think the problem with rose hairs isn't so much that it's like, oh, they're all crazy. It's the fact that just not all of them are tractable. And I think, unfortunately, and I know when I got into the hobby, this is what I heard, that they were all very handleable. They enjoyed being handled. They would sit in your hand. So what happens? Some poor schmo out there gets this creature, 
He's read that they like being handled. They're tame, quote-unquote tame. He sticks his hand in there, and the animal has a feeding response and goes at his hand. Next thing you know, we have psycho rosy territory. Or there are some psycho rosies out there, ones that just do not want to be handled, that can slap at things, that can throw up threat postures. I don't think there are as many of them as people like to make on now that we've got into bashing this particular species. I've even heard... You know, as far as the bashing is concerned, I, I recently read a comment where somebody's like, they wish they'd go out of the hobby, which really upset me. I think a lot of what came out of these is as we got more species in, we realized that these may not be the absolute best beginner species. There are other species out there. B. albopelosum tend to be a little more, a little less temperamental, a little more predictable as far as their behavior. The G. pulchropes, the Ulathus species red, obviously a species that is very laid back, and most people report incredibly docile specimens. Species like those, the E. campistratus, those are ones that are in the hobby now that many people realize might be a little bit better off. They offer a more predictable temperament while offer also being pretty much bulletproof, and they also don't have that tendency to fast. Part of the problem with the Chilean, Chilean species, and specifically the Gramostola, you know, Proterium rosea, one of the big issues was the fasting. Well, I read an article years ago that talked about the fact that they're basically their internal time clock to tell them what season it is was messed up. When they would move from, they would be plucked right out of the wild and brought up to the U.S. and put in different climes, it would mess up that internal clock. So you get them fasting at times that they would normally fast when they were down in Chile and wouldn't eat. And people would take that as a sign that there was something wrong because all the conditions were right. It was warm. They didn't understand it. But that was part of the issue. And now that we've started raising some of these and captively, we've seen less of an issue with it. But that is a huge issue. Anybody buying, and I think that's one of the things that would be a knock against them, that anybody buying a rose hair would likely, at some point, keeping this animal, have a, a point where it's not eating. And that freaks people out. Um, I'm very fortunate where, knock on wood, 22 years now I've had mine. She has never fasted. The only time she hasn't eaten is when she has uh, had a molt coming. Uh, recently I went to feed her and she didn't eat the cricket and I actually freaked out a little bit because she had just molted um, I believe two and a half years ago and before that it had been seven and a half years before she had molted so I wasn't expecting a molt coming and she stopped eating and I'm like oh no this is it you know this girl we think she is probably over 30 when I got her she was already about four and a half inches she was a wild caught specimen you got to figure the growth rates there wouldn't be as great as they normally are in captivity so you got to figure it took her a good many years to reach that size in the wild. So we're thinking probably at least upper 20s. I've had her 22 years. She was good size when I got her. She's still going strong. But anyway, I came in the other day and she molted. She completely surprised me with the molt because I was not expecting one for, well, quite frankly, several years. So that's the only time she hasn't eaten. So there are ones out there that will eat well. There are ones out there that do have nice temperaments. But again, it's that unpredictability factor. So I do understand when folks say, all right, this, uh, there are still some lists out there that list that species as the best beginner. And, and I wouldn't agree with that. I don't think it's the best. But to say it's not a good beginner species, that I also don't agree with. I think they can make good beginner species. I think people need to be aware of the propensity to fast. That need, That's important. But that can happen with other species as well. I have uh, we mentioned the G. pulchropes. I bought two G. pulchropes slings, and these are guys that have moved up on those lists and are considered to be very popular. I bought two slings that basically fasted for six months when teeny tiny slings were about a third of an inch. They disappeared for the entire winter, part of the spring, 
and finally came up and started eating again. Now, hadn't I been in the hobby, had I not been in the hobby for a while and recognized the behavior is probably fasting, that would have freaked me out. So there are other species on the beginner's list that will fast, but I think they're less likely to do so, especially as adults. So to say that they shouldn't be included, I think, is ridiculous. I, I've heard, again, the, the negative, and I think this is where it comes from when I first started getting really heavy into the hobby and doing a lot of research and getting on the blogs. People on the blogs would often be like, oh, you don't want one of those. They fast all the time. They're not good beginner species. Get one of these instead. Get one of these. And I think people that got new to the hobby kind of saw that being, it's almost like they see bashing the rose hair as a sign that they're becoming legitimate keepers. And I've had a couple people like, oh, yeah, well, I used to think these were good species, but now I know better. And I tell everybody not to bother getting them. Dude, you've been in the hobby two weeks. Knock it off. Like it's, I, I think a lot of people just regurgitate. And this is, again, one of the issues I have with the spread of information in this hobby. They hear somebody that has been keeping for a while bash them, so they turn around and immediately decide that's the thing to do, so then they start doing it. Again, I think that's a big part of it because I've never seen a particular species get so much hate, and it drives me nuts. Like people, oh, why would you want a Proteria? Why would you want a Rosea? Because they're awesome spiders. I will tell you right now that if I had to get rid of all the tarantulas in my collection and only keep one. Guess who I'm keeping? The queen, my rosehair, the one that started off. I love that animal and granted a lot of its sentimental value, but guess what? She was an awesome beginner species for me. She survived my miscues. She has been around for the birth of three of my kids. She's still kicking. I mean, it's just, it's amazing that spider to me. And I know a lot of other keepers who have been in the hobby for quite some time that their first tarantula was a rose hair. And they will say, I love my rose hair. Some people have more than one. I have two right now. I got another baby. It's taking forever to grow. It's about, I've had her for about four years now, four and a half years. And she's pushing a whopping maybe inch and a half, if, if that, maybe an inch and a quarter. The other common argument I hear against them is that they are just boring pet rock brown spiders. Who wants one of those? That's going to turn people off from the hobby. I actually heard that in a video and really resisted the urge to comment. I don't like starting stuff up in public. I, I just find there's no use in doing stuff like that. But I, I strongly disagree with that sentiment. If you haven't kept a tarantula before, they're cool. I'm sorry. They're, what could be cooler if you haven't kept a spider before than a big brown spider sitting right there? It's, you're so in awe of the fact that you have a 5 or 6 inch or 7 inch spider there. You're not really looking at the fact you don't want it jumping off the walls. That's going to freak people out. For me, if mine had been more active, it would have terrified me. I needed something that would just sit there and be calm when I would you know, do it, so it would change its water dish or when I take some boluses out or when I feed it. I needed something that would be calm. And I think a lot of people, it's a great spider to have. It's out in the open at all times. I've never had anybody, and I can say we've had a lot of people come to our house over the past 22 years, whether it be our first apartments or our home or one of our two homes, and come in and they never go, oh, that's boring. It's just a brown spider. They're fascinated or terrified by it regardless of the fact that it's just sitting there, regardless of the color. So I find that just ridiculous. No, they're not that boring. And then if you find them boring, you can always get into the other species later on. But I literally had a guy comment on one of my videos when somebody said that they were going to get a rose hair. They were trying to get a rose hair. Nah, don't get one of those. They're boring. You want to get a C. lividus because those are cool. They're blue. They're nasty. And I'm like... Dude, if you keep one of those right, you're not going to see it. How is that? I mean, I love pet holes. Don't get me wrong, but 
talk about boring. They're not just sitting there. They're sitting there underground, and you don't get to see them. I don't understand that. But here was a guy that just, I think, wanted the thrill of keeping something that could be potentially, quote-unquote, dangerous. And he went on about how they've got nasty attitudes and everything else. And that was his enticement. So I think this was your basic adrenaline junkie. Yeah, if you're an adrenaline junkie and you're looking for something that's going to, you know, make you pucker up and sweat, then, yeah, the, the Cheap or Terry and the Rosé are not going to be your tarantulas. But if you're somebody that's just getting into the hobby, that's looking for an animal that you don't have to worry about accidentally killing for the most part, that's going to be calm and docile, that's going to be out in the open so you can show your friends. Because there's the reality of the fact that when people get tarantulas, it's an odd pet and they want to show them off. And there's nothing worse than pointing to a pot of dirt and going, yep, I've got a big spider in there. Nobody cares. It's boring. This one will sit right out in the open. My girl has been awesome. I do tell the story of when I first tried to handle her, and unfortunately she had a a feeding response and wheeled around on my hand. And basically I was using a paintbrush to get her into my hand, and she ended up biting the paintbrush. I realized now she was looking for food. Back then it terrified me. But again, that wasn't because she's grumpy. It was because she thought there was food coming. She was hungry. I'm I'm the same way. You get me hungry and you stick a burger in front of me, don't put your hand in my way. I'm going to bite it. So to say these guys are the best beginner species, that's not true. And I would would wholeheartedly agree that they may not be the best if you had to narrow it down to one. Although all the knocks on them can also be found in the ones that most people will point to being the best. Eulathus species red, Chilean species they will fast on you. They will. The slings will fast. The adults will fast. I have two females who haven't eaten in several months. I mean, it's something to worry about. But because they're so tractable, they go move higher up on that list usually. So that's something to think about. But they're maybe not the best, but they are definitely a good beginner species for many, many people. Uh, they're not as readily available now. I do hope people continue to breed them. They will always. This is one of those ones I can tell you. There will always be a rose hair in my collection. There will never be a point where I won't have one. I. Again, the whole thing that stirred this whole Tom's Big Spiders thing and me getting heavy into the hobby were Billy and I sitting there one night talking about how sad it would be when my rose hair, my, the queen, eventually died because we had had her for so long and we had another kid on the way and, uh, you know, she's still there and it was just amazing. I'm like, that's really going to be depressing for me because she's been the one thing that's carried from when we first moved out together all the way to our, you know, our house. So... There will always be one in my collection. Again, I do recognize a lot of it's nostalgia for me and attachment to them. But I also, if I take an objective step back and look at them as a species, I would do it again in a heartbeat. And obviously, if you've seen my lists, whether it be the YouTube list or the one I have online, I wholeheartedly endorse them as good beginners. I just think most folks probably want to start with an older specimen. But either way, if you get a small one, you're going to have that thing probably to your grandkids go to college, which I think is awesome and, and something that makes it a really special pet, in my opinion. So that'll about do it for this episode. Again, I will be doing sprinkling in longer episodes, but last week I got I did too many longer episodes and ended up having to pay more money because I ran out of hours on this. I only get allotted three hours a month. So please know that I'm not trying to shortchange anything. The original idea was to do a half hour episode, but I tend to talk too much and they run over. This one ran over. What are we at? About 35 minutes. So five minutes bonus time there, but there will be a longer one coming up and I will have to redo the one that I had to scratch. Hopefully I can do that tomorrow or maybe later on today. Because I thought it was a good one, but I, I just don't want to try to tackle it too soon and have it be low energy because it's like, man, I just said all this and I thought I kind of covered it well the first time. So as usual, if you enjoyed it, please comment on my Facebook page because as of right now, we don't have any spot you can really comment right on the 
podcast site. So that's the place to go. And I think I forgot to post the one for last week, so I'll have to throw that one up as well. Um, if you haven't checked out my YouTube channel, I'm going to be, I took a little break from making videos for the last couple of weeks because it's been getting ready to go back to school time over here. But I'll be posting up some more videos, or you can check out Tom's Big Spiders, which I am going to endeavor to create more articles for that. Um, I kind of—it's one of the more difficult things to do because it takes a little while longer to actually write these things and try to edit them out and get them up on the site than it does to say put together a quick video or one of these podcasts where I sit here with a cup of coffee and talk your ear off for a half hour. So we will try to get back to that. That's my favorite thing, the the articles and that website. I'm very proud of it, and I want to keep more information on it because it seems like it's still growing, so we got to keep it fresh. So anyway, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys all next time.